everyone and welcome to the first thing you think of podcast. I'm Olivia, the founder of La Casa de las Lenguas magazine, a bi-monthly a magazine about languages and cultures. And I'm Ellie, the founder of the travel brand One Globe 360. So today we're moving on to our next country, which is India, and I'm so excited about that. We thought it'd just be like a really good next country to move on to from Brazil. Um, I think there's the similarities and the differences, but I think even within the similarities between these countries, there's differences within those as well. What do you think? Why do you think this is a good country to move on to? Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like India is a, a, a really good sort of natural progression moving on from Brazil. Like you said, um, there are lots of similarities and differences to sort of talk about and discuss. And I mean, India is, is one of the most yeah diverse, I feel like exciting um, and just really incredibly interesting country with so much culture, so much to do with religion and and food and their languages and, and, and things like that. So I just think, yeah, really good natural progression moving on from Brazil to um, yeah talk about India. I'm incredibly excited to, to do so. So when I say India, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you? For me, the first thing that comes to my mind is the diversity of the country. Um, and from my experience of visiting India back in 2018, um, for me, that was confirmed, the idea of diversity. I feel like I really experienced that um, from my month long trip there. Um, and also, I feel like what comes to mind is, is like all the local people. And like, I feel like the people really make India the country it is. Um, and from my experience, they were incredibly welcoming, incredibly friendly, always wanted to talk to you and find out like, you know, what you were doing there, what you were looking forward to. Um, they wanted to show you around. Um, yeah, just incredibly, incredibly welcoming. Um, and yeah, I feel like what also comes to mind is, like I've mentioned, the sort of the, the culture, religion, the food, all those individual elements that make India the, the beautiful and I believe incredibly exciting country that, that it is today. What about you? What what comes to mind when when you first think of of India? I think this is where we split again, like we did with Brazil. You know, obviously you have that that view kind of being solidified from going there, so you have that first hand experience. Where I think what differs with me with India is that I actually do know people from India, so that changes it a little bit. Um, but for me, the first thing that comes to mind is what would with Brazil, so the poverty. But then the thing is that I also know that there's very rich parts of India. But for some reason, again, it's the poverty that will come to m- my mind at first. And also kind of like a kind of, uh, you know, lack of hygiene. Um, that also comes to mind. I think of like, um, I remember watching um, a YouTube video on Indigo Traveller and he had to go to hospital because he ate street food and got food poisoning I've got, if I'm going to be honest those are the very first things that come to my mind subconsciously um, if I think of India you know more in general I think you know of Taj Mahal stuff like that maybe more stereotypical yeah. things like that um, but in terms of like my actual knowledge of India I don't know that much like you said diversity now I think of diversity having looked into it um I think of religious diversity um I do now think of linguistic diversity and it wasn't so much that I didn't know that loads of languages spoken in India it just wasn't one of the first things that came into my mind it's like maybe that's the most I could tell you was yeah there's loads of languages spoken in India but if you'd asked me what or how many I wouldn't have known anything so again it's that illusion of understanding that goes back to the very first thing we spoke about in the first episode isn't it it's like you think you know a lot but really you don't so it's going to be interesting to kind of delve into those those gaps in our knowledge oh 100 percent. you know that illusion of understanding and 
you know, yes, I have been to India once before, but there's still so much that I, I've yet to discover and, you know, and learn about, about India. So yeah, I'm really excited through the conversations that I know we're going to be having over the, you know, the next couple of episodes or however many episodes that we, we talk about India. Um, yeah, incredibly excited again to just really educate myself on not even just the country, but everything to do with it. Like you mentioned, the linguistic side, the cult, the cultural side, you know, the religion, all of those things play such a key part in, in India today. And I feel like they play such a key part in people's perceptions of India as well. And, you know, obviously a lot of these views are developed from things like, you know, the media and hearing sort of other people's opinions. Where do you think that you've mainly developed your opinions? Do you think it's through having friends that that, um, that have either visited India or who come from India? Or do you think it's looking at things on the news or articles online? What would you say? Well, this is where I think it's a bit different from when we spoke about Brazil, because I I think I see Bra- uh, not Brazil, sorry, India in the media a little bit, but I don't think it's as prominent in the media as Brazil is, personally. At least I haven't seen it to be. Um, but I think I get a lot of my views from the people around me. Again, it goes to the thing of older generations. We spoke about that in the first episode about Brazil, is that they they tend to be not questioning things a lot, tend to be, you know, they didn't ha- really have the ability to you know travel to these countries as much as we do now so I guess their views are limited in that way you know it's it's a completely different generation and I do get a lot of views from that um you know just what they say and stuff but the one thing that's very different for me from Brazil is that I do know people from India and knowing those people has you know crushed a lot of stereotypes made me question a lot of things and you know I'll be giving examples of those as we go on throughout today but yeah that's the major difference for me and I think it's a lot of people can relate to that is that you know most people they do know someone from India or at least has links to India and you know I think that does go a long way in crushing some stereotypes. And do you think that most people share the same initial thoughts as us? I know we did another survey um, about India and people's initial sort of perceptions and and views of the country. Um, So sort of leading on from that, do you think, yeah, do you think most people share the sort of similar things that we've just talked about? I think so, yeah. I think both what I think, what you think, whether it's the first thing that comes to mind, like the very first thing, you know, that's, I'm not too sure, but it's definitely, you know, some of the things that I think would come to mind yeah yeah so for me yeah India has obviously its positives and its negatives and yeah like I said I'm uh, I do understand that there is poverty and there are uh, there is crime there's all those different things that we talked about with Brazil there is that as well of course Um, but for me just with India because I had such a an overwhelmingly positive experience I sort of reflect back in just a really positive way Um, so yeah I feel like I just would like to build on that more by having conversations like this, by potentially going back to India and sort of just discovering more about the country. Um, and it's just super interesting to sort of just hear people's initial thoughts as well and sort of, again, comparing and, and contrasting those compared to what our thoughts are. Um, so, yeah, what, what's really interesting to sort of go on to is the first thing that um, I think came up in, in the survey was this idea of job stereotypes in India. Um, so you do you think there's a common stereotype surrounding careers that Indians enter? Yeah, I personally do. Um, I think you have that stereotype of a lot of them kind of go into like computers, stuff like that. 
um and then there's a stereotype as well of I think like call centers um and also then that one of when they come to the UK they kind of go into the medical field and personally from my experience and from watching videos as well of Indians saying them themselves it's not that those things aren't true like yes a lot of them are doctors you know a lot of them you know they do stuff with technology it's not that it's not true but it's like not every Indian you meet or know is going to go into those sectors. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing with stereotypes, isn't it? I, I really don't like stereotypes, just generally. I feel like it puts a very narrow-minded perspective on on a person or a job or a, just anything, really. Um, so, I, yeah, I really... This is what I love so much about this podcast we're doing, is just breaking down these stereotypes and actually, OK, some of them might be true, but actually there might be a flip side and it might be false or it might be incorrect or it might be slightly different. Um, so I don't know, whenever I think of India, I don't necessarily think about the job stereotypes. It's not something that particularly comes to mind. So it was really interesting for me to sort of, yeah, hear about people's responses and, and it made me question, oh, actually, what do I think about when I think about job stereotypes in India? And I share the same opinion as you, I'd say in terms of you know, the, the idea of like maybe people work in a call center and, and things like that. And then obviously, um, the other side of it is, you know, again, a lot of, you know, Indian people, um, you know, especially in the UK, going into sort of the, the medical uh, medical sector, being doctors, um, you know, those those really sort of yeah, high paid, high, high effort, you know, high achieving jobs. Um, and I don't know. I don't know why. Why do I why do I think that necessarily? Why do you think that? Do you think it's because of people we know around us or is that what the sort of media sort of tells us to believe what do you think I think it's because we tend to see that happening more often or not that in our minds we kind of think well if in like four to five cases that's the case then I'm all like it's better for me to just assume that it's it's five out of five than making an exception for one person yeah no definitely and it is yeah it's super interesting I think perspective is really key here you know just yeah like you said you know just because a stereotype could be correct doesn't mean you know it's the case for everyone um so perspective is really important in terms of just understanding that you know not every Indian person in the UK for example is in the medical industry or not every um not every person who lives in India works in a call center like of course not you know and I think it's just like having a a wider understanding and appreciation of like all the different jobs that people do you know the diversity again going back to diversity the diversity of the jobs that that you know people people have in India you know for example the tourism industry in India is really starting to grow I felt like I felt that when I was there is the tourism industry was incredibly important to local people you know and I really wonder how the pandemic for example has impacted that this year in how's that impacted the jobs that people in India have you know I know for example in you know in, in even countries like Spain you know their tourism is they're so reliant on their tourism I don't know how much how you know much of the percentage of their if it makes up for their GDP but I'm sure it's massive um, and I would say India is probably on, on a similar level and actually over the last decade or so the tourism that they they've received and the foundations they've created for this tourism have been incredibly important and um, yeah I feel like for me that's what I think about potentially is um, in terms of a growing job stereotype is that a lot of people are in the tourism industry and that's just from my that's just from my personal experience what would you say about the tourism in, in India would you say that it's necessarily 
like a booming industry or do you think you'd have to sort of go out and visit to see that for yourself I've got to be honest I don't actually know much about it I remember once um, one of my cousins she went out to India and a lot of people around me were saying why would you want to go to India I, I remember something thinking about I remember someone saying something about like oh they all walk barefoot there and there's elephants which is probably one of the most naive things you can think of and say but that is what I kind of grew up hearing around me so for, like for me when I ever thought of India tourism wasn't one of the first things that came to mind so and the thing is that proves exactly the point of this podcast is I never looked into it either the only time I've ever kind of realized how important tourism is to India is through watching YouTube videos which I think just proves how how much important it is to kind of see it visually whether you go there whether you you know you watch videos for example yeah I mean it's something that if I hadn't visited India I probably wouldn't have said either Um, it's only from my personal experience that I've sort of got that understanding that actually tourism in India is is incredibly important to to the local people to the local communities um so yeah it's something again that I guess unless you go and visit the country you 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 just can't potentially understand and that's normal for every country I mean even with Brazil you know there are there are sort of conversations we had didn't we about comparing my view because I've been there compared to your view from someone who hasn't been there and obviously comparing the views of people from the survey um it's one of those things, isn't it, that actually visiting the country itself gives you that sort of different perspective, um, which is, yeah, I mean, just incredibly interesting. Um, and just a bit more information about the survey. So everyone who answered the survey said that they believe a stereotype does exist. Everyone also agreed that, that this is the fact that they believe that they enter the medical profession, which is obviously what we just mentioned. So do you think it's important to ask why, why they do this? Do you think it could give us more insight into the culture? So, for example, if a stereotype exists and it is correct, there is always a reason why. So should we educate ourselves on this rather than blindly attributing it to everyone? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know in terms of like the medical profession, I'm not too sure just um, in India itself, but I know I remember um, actually learning about it in terms of like France, I think, when there'll be immigrants coming to France and why most of them kind of go for those medical professions. And I think it's it's broadly the same for everyone is that, when people kind of came to that country they saw um that having uh, a job in the medical profession that was the most wanted at that point so they came in and they filled in those roles so now again I think it's kind of just subconsciously for them is like you know oh you want to go into a medical profession because that is where you needed that's where you wanted so it's kind of seen as higher I know that's what it's I know um yeah I think that's what a lot of people that is um I know it was in France and I know some other countries and I think that's just generally the way that it is viewed and I think that just gives a different perspective to to it doesn't it and I think that's something that I I didn't quite know but now when I when I hear of that I kind of understand a bit more when I hear of like for example I had a Fijian friend um who was pushed a lot by her parents to go into the medical profession I had um an, an Indian friend again who's had to do the same and when I kind of learned for that it, it did put into perspective it did make it make sense a lot for me and again we see in our own NHS here don't we we see a lot of um people from the Philippines we see a lot of people from loads of different countries all coming to the medical profession and I watched um a video the other day actually of um it was it was on YouTube it was of Prince Philip and he made uh, a flippant joke about how many Filipinos are in the, the NHS 
and you know he was all light-hearted and he was all a joke but I think a lot of us we make those observations um but we don't understand why do you think that I mean such an it's so interesting to sort of discuss isn't it do you think that they feel pressured to fit into this constructed stereotype that's been created I mean yeah I think so I'm thinking specifically now of my friend who is Indian going into the medical profession you know I don't think she saw that she had any other choice she was very well suited for it you know she was so intelligent and the subjects that she needed to get into that profession were her strong points so you know I honestly think that you know whether she was Indian or not in that sense she would have probably gone into medical profession anyway you know so maybe you could say that she fits into the stereotype but she also doesn't at the same time because maybe it was just the person that she was which is another viewpoint you can take on it then thinking of my Fijian friend who was also very pushed into going to this profession she wasn't suited for it the subjects the sciencey subjects um the maths they weren't her strong points her strong points were more creative subjects art um fashion and PE and stuff like that um but she was really pushed to go into this profession and um you know it wasn't for her and I do think I can only talk in terms of her family obviously I I never been to Fiji I don't know never been to India either so I don't know kind of the atmosphere surrounding it there but I know their families you know just didn't see another path um at least not another path that I don't like to say because it sounds a bit thing but honors the family pride I guess is the the mm-hmm. right way I would put it there seems to be that I, I feel like again another stereotype is is this idea of, of of families and maybe this pressure that they put on their their children to be really successful high achieving high earning you know filling that role of this like family pride so I think you make a really interesting point there about it and and that idea of yeah is there sort of this sort of overwhelming pressure to fit into this stereotype do parents feel pressure from their parents so that they're to for their kids to continue the family name in a certain profession or a certain industry I mean I don't know and obviously I speak about this from a an outside perspective looking in and I can only base that from you know, one film that comes to mind is a film called Bend It Like Beckham. I don't know if you've ever watched it before. Um, it's a, it's a, a film about football. Um, and um, this this girl, um, she, well, she's about, she's about our age um, and she wants to play football. Um, but her family want her to go to, go to university. Um, I believe they want her to be, I think it might be a lawyer. Um, she doesn't really want to go to university. She doesn't really want to be a lawyer. She wants to play football. She gets an opportunity to go to America to play football which is amazing um but she feels this pressure from her family to hide hide the fact that she continues to play football um and in the end it, it turns out all okay for her and, and her parents let her go to her, to america and play football um but there really was this idea of this like pressure that they had or that they put on her to to go to university and for that to be her only option and i think they felt the parents felt that pressure from the community they lived in the family like different family friends and friends and yeah the local people around them um they felt that pressure for their for their daughter who who wants to play football to actually do something opposite and actually go to university and go and get this high achieving job so for me i i i 
like I said, I look at it from an outside perspective, but I've watched films, I've seen on the on the news, media, that sort of thing, and that's how it. I guess I get I sort of form my perspective of it all, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's that's a really nice example to use there, and yeah, I do think there is just there's I think there seems to be a lot of pressure, and I do think a lot of it is cultural. And I was just thinking, do you think there is an equivalent in our culture? for you know that in in India going into the medical profession do you think I can't I was trying to think I can't really think of anything and do you think maybe that's why it's such a kind of strong stereotype yeah I I I agree I I can't personally think of anything within I guess our culture that is a stereotype or is is sort of looked upon in a really good way to be in a certain career I mean obviously you know, you, you'll get within our culture parents who are wanting their children to be lawyers and, again, be in the medical profession and be high-achieving, high-earning. But I don't think there exists the same sort of strength of stereotype, if that makes sense. And when I say strength of stereotype, I mean it, it really is um, very well-known, isn't it? You know, like we've just talked about people, you know, from India, I guess, you know, students over here who are, who are Indian feeling maybe pressure from their families to go into certain industries. I don't think that pressure is the same. Um, I've never experienced any pressure from from my parents to to be in a certain profession or to be studying X Y Z at university or all that sort of thing. Maybe that's just my experience, and it's different for other people. But as far as I'm aware, in terms of my friends as well, who um, my friends who who aren't Indian, I do have some Indian friends, but my friends who aren't Indian, um, I, as far as I'm aware, they they too have not not had pressure from their parents to be studying something specific or to train to be a certain yeah in a certain job for example um yeah maybe that's just my experience what in your experience as well have you ever received any sort of pressure to be to be studying something particular or to sort of aspire to be a certain in a certain profession no I guess I've kind of been pushed to want to be a teacher I don't know if that's maybe like maybe some people are pushed to do that as well I'm not too sure but I don't think it's like so big to be a stereotype I also have had a friend who's kind of pushed to be a lawyer and I don't know I think I think there might be small things like that but I don't think it's so widespread to be considered um to be a stereotype and I think maybe that's the thing is there's not this one thing that is so big that everyone just just attributes it to to everyone maybe that is the difference maybe there does exist in some cases these pressures to go into certain professions but they're not on a massive scale yeah I think I I agree with you definitely um I mean another we'll move on to another really interesting stereotype now which is food and you know like I mentioned at the start it's something that I think of when I think of India um so how important do you think gastronomy is to Indian culture I think it's it's really important. I've got to be honest. Again, right off the bat, I don't know much about this. I haven't researched into it, but it is one of the first things that come to mind. And it might be a bit naive. Again, this is it's another stereotype. But the first thing I think of is curry. I don't really know many other <laughs> other ones, but I do think of them being quite into their food and and stuff like that. And again, like I just said, I named one about curry. Do you think this exists other stereotypes surrounding Indian gastronomy? 
Um, I mean, I, I agree. Definitely curry. Um, street food as well, I think is a massive one. And not only just in my personal experience of being in India, but also watching several YouTube videos from, you know, travel YouTubers who have visited uh, India. Um, yeah, they've, I've watched this, this video recently by a YouTuber called Louis Cole, and he did a challenge where he, I think he had like 10 different street food dishes in one day. And he had his, his friend who, who was a local who took him around um, the city, just getting all these different uh, dishes and little snacks. And it was like, yeah, it was like, um, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, and to me, like that was just such a cool thing to watch. And it really sort of, I guess, reiterated my perception and like, I guess, previous understanding from my trip that street food is a massive part of like the culture and identity within Spain and the local people are so proud of their food and that's what really like showed from my experience is that they're so proud of their food and for a lot of people it's like their livelihoods they are on the street selling food you know to, to local people and um you know in the video I watched everyone had a smile on their on their faces you know they were loving what they were doing so for me like the stereotypes of curry of street food um are true in my experience and from like I said like YouTube videos that is what it is and I think it's one of the most incredible aspects of the Indian culture in my opinion um, I'm a big foodie I love food um, so for me it was just really cool to sort of try new dishes and um, I have to be quite cautious because I'm, I'm not too good with spice and of course in India uh, again maybe you know another stereotype they're well known for very spicy food um, so um yeah just really really good for me to sort of embrace the uh the local food and I feel like I got so much more out of my time there by embracing the food and in like trying new dishes and obviously there's a big I think like um a big thing in the UK of like going for a curry I know certainly myself and my family we love going to, you know to our local Indian restaurant and having a curry and I think for me it was sort of taking myself outside of my comfort zone in India and trying something new that just wasn't a korma which is what I order here um so yeah for me like it forms a massive part of the identity and the local people seem to be incredibly proud of it which I think should be celebrated and um again another really interesting aspect of um yeah of, of their culture what what yeah. in, in terms of like what I've just said what 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 do you take from that what came to my mind was like obviously it I do think it's true, like you said, and I watched a video again where they were reacting to stereotypes and they said, yeah, you know, it is true. You know, um, I think the specific example they used was curry and they said, you know, we do eat curry all the time. Um, but do you think the important thing there is to kind of be like, yeah, you know, generally Indians like curry, but I'm sure there's an Indian out there who has, I don't know, made awful curry before. And there's, I'm sure there's an Indian out there who, who doesn't like curry, for example. Do you think it's important yeah. to, to keep that? Yeah, I think it's important to keep an open mind that actually, you know, a stereotype is a stereotype. It doesn't apply to everyone. It doesn't apply to every Indian. Not every Indian person likes curry, of course. It's, it's like saying not every British person likes fish and chips, right? That's a stereotype of, I guess, what British people eat, you know. Um, yeah, not every British person likes fish and chips. So not every Indian person is going to, you know, specifically like curry, you know. Um, I think it's just keeping an open mind with that is that stereotypes are stereotypes. They need to be treated as a stereotype and of course understand that it doesn't apply to everyone um especially yeah especially with, with curry in india of course i'm sure there are lots of different cuisines that that is uh, you know uh, uh, important to 
lots of different Indian people. Um, and yeah, from my experience, yes, I was sort of maybe only exposed to sort of curry and street food, but I'm sure if I went back, I'd experience a new cuisine, which, which for me is incredibly exciting. Yeah, so one of the things that came up quite a bit when um, we asked in the survey, what is the first thing you think of when someone says India was tea and spices. And I, you mentioned spices and that kind of being, you know, a stereotype of Indian gastronomy as well. So just to kind of put that into the context, so around 70% of the world's spices come from India. So India is by far the largest producer of spices, which are shipped across continents to restaurants and kitchens worldwide. And some of the best known spices are turmeric, cumin, saffron and chilli powders. But India is also the second largest producer of tea in the world, following closely behind China. So I think it's clear there that a lot of these stories are true. But again, it's that thing of keeping an open mind. You know, like you said about fish and chips, another one that comes to mind for me in terms of British culture is tea. You know, we don't all sit down drinking a tea every morning. I certainly don't. I've never had tea, yeah. if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't like tea either. I, no, I, yeah, never tried I, 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 um, yeah, I've tried to like tea, but I don't like it. So I'm, I'm British. Yeah, I don't like tea. I feel like it's quite a rarity um, to uh, have a British person that doesn't like tea. However, they do exist. You know, me and you both don't, <laughs> don't like tea. Yeah, I'm Welsh and I, I don't have a sheep in my garden. I don't know, <laughs> something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> exactly, all these stereotypes that um, I'm sure we can have a laugh and a joke about, but they're not yeah. all true. You know, they're not all true. And it's important for people to know, you know, and we're educating ourselves on on these stereotypes with, with you know, regards to India and we're finding out if some are true or not. And we might not always know the answer, but um, it's just important to have the conversations about it, isn't it? From what we've kind of spoken about already, it feels like a lot of the stereotypes are true. Like, you know, we spoke about the job one, we spoke about the food one, like those are true. The thing there and the problem there is just putting them into perspective. And I guess kind of just having that element of respect when you're applying them um, to India and Indians, Indians themselves. And just, I guess, just having a bit of common sense, really, isn't it? Um but there are obviously others, you know, as we go on to talk about poverty and stuff like that. Again, I think, you know, those are true, but I think that it's it's the way of which, you know, we react to them. Like, I guess it's the same with Brazil, isn't it? Like the favelas, it's the way that you react to those people. Um, and the way that you can change how you react to those people is learning about their conditions and why they live the way that they do. So I do think actually the stereotypes surrounding India and Brazil are different for that reason. I do think there's a lot more positive ones about India, like about their food and yeah, you know, there are lots of positive stereotypes about when well, I wouldn't actually call them stereotypes. There are lots of positive aspects of Brazilian culture, like the diversity, but I'm not too sure if it's like the first thing that comes to people's minds. Whereas I think those more positive stereotypes about India they are more prominent in people's minds. They they do tend to be one of those first things that people think of. And I think knowing someone who is from India, has links with India, is so vital in that because I, I think most people know someone from India and most people don't know anyone from Brazil. That was definitely represented in the survey that we did. And I just think that's so vital. Like Just thinking about that little piece of culture that I learned from my friend, and I've learned so much more about it, as I said, I'll talk about. Um, you know, if I didn't know someone from India, I would never have known that, like, ever. 
and just little yeah. things like that even if it's like subconscious things you know that maybe that that person didn't tell you but in your mind you're kind of like oh you know that's not true just because of I don't know the way they acted or their views on something you know mm-hmm. just little things like that that if you didn't know someone from Brazil sorry from India then you would never have figured out for yourself I think that is a vital difference between India and Brazil I think also like you're saying I feel like we're both potentially a little bit closer connected to India so we're, we're more aware of the stereotypes and whether they're right or wrong or we're, we're more aware of our, our friends and their experiences and what they've told us um, and I think that gives us maybe more of a perspective more of a a different perspective in comparison to, to Brazil obviously our links to Brazil are are not as as close yes I visited but I only visited for like a week um, whereas I spent a month in India and obviously we've both said that we've got friends um, from India as well and and we both don't know anyone from Brazil so I think our connections to India are somewhat different aren't they in comparison to sort of our connections to Brazil and I think I think that does play a role in our I think we both maybe have a greater understanding of India as a cult as a as a country and a culture um yeah sort of comparing with with brazil um but what's really interesting to sort of touch upon as well is this different type of media so obviously you've got films tv programs bollywood you know obviously super super famous um so what's interesting also though to to consider and important to consider is that many films and tv programs only show one side of india so for example poverty so what role do you think these types of things play in influencing our thoughts and opinions of india I think in a lot of ways these kind of influence them subconsciously so it's not like we'll sit in front of the tv and think okay so this person who's playing an Indian an Indian character they've got this accent you know I don't think it's something that we sit down and kind of taking consciously but it's it's subconsciously and I think the major problem there is that if you don't know someone from India or you're very naive to their culture and the first thing that you're seeing and the only thing that you see is their representation in films and TV programs, then, you know, you're not going to question it, are you? You know, you're just going to believe what you see. Yeah, I think that plays onto the stereotypes, doesn't it? If you're, you know, if you're young, for example, you're a young person, you're watching a cartoon or a film or a TV program, you've, you've never been to India, you haven't got any friends from India, um, you're going to believe what you see on the TV, right? And that does play into the stereotypes. So I know we're going to talk in a little bit about The Simpsons um, and the stereotypes within that, but it's important to, I think, remember that um, the influence of the media and films and TV is huge, especially when growing up. You know, I, I can yeah. think of lots of TV programmes and films I watched growing up and you think you believe everything you see, right? Because you, you're not at the age of having a perspective or an education that can make you see otherwise. So I think, um, you know, things like The Simpsons, obviously I watched that when I was quite young growing up and um, I didn't watch it religiously, but I know a lot of people who, you know, The Simpsons was their favourite TV programme and I'm sure they developed opinions and views because of watching the show. So again, I feel like when you get older, you gain more of a perspective when you, you know, make friends who are from from India or you travel to India or you just you educate yourself um you know that is incredibly important um and you know many of these films you know that we've, we've talked about you know go on to win multiple oscars such as slumdog millionaire which of course is one of the most famous uh films in recent years um why do you think these types of films are so popular if we are aware of like how biased and one-sided they are i think it's because it's like 
you know, they're tailored for entertainment. I think they play on those stereotypes. They exaggerate them for, you know, effect. And because I've I've never watched that film, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I don't really like films, but, you know, just kind of thinking in general, like how different cultures, different people from different cultures are represented in general, um, you know, on TV, in films is that yeah they kind of bring those stereotypes to life in a much more exaggerated effect um and I think that's why you know they win so many Oscars um because it plays in that it's it's funny I guess and that's the thing like do you think that's wrong or do you think it's well, I don't know if I don't know if that is a wrong or right. Is it? It's like it's that fine line, isn't it? And we're going to be showing that through the Simpsons example. It's that fine line because, you know, the thing is, as I was saying to you before this, is that on TV and in films, every character represents a person in society, and I just think there's that fine line, isn't it, of cro- like crossing the line between entertainment and, you know discrimination racism yeah and like unintentional bias all of those things isn't it and it's yeah yeah it's, it's a really difficult line isn't it and it's for example in terms of like the way that India is represented I don't think me or you could sit here and say you know I think that character that I was portraying an Indian or is doing like an Indian voiceover for an Indian character or something like that I don't think we can sit here and say that's wrong because we're not Indian do you get what I mean um, yeah mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really difficult line, isn't it? It's something that we can only apply to our own culture and not other people's. It, yeah, you're so right. It's a very fine line. And, and um, I know we'll, we'll go on to talk about The, about the Simpsons, um, you know, after this. But it is important to keep in mind that it is for entertainment purposes. Yet also there needs to be an understanding of, is it something that shouldn't be made into entertainment purposes? You know, if that makes sense. You know, is the the main plot or the topic of the film is that right to be made for entertainment or is that being highly disrespectful to people that that live that as their reality so for example Slumdog Millionaire you know obviously poverty is a massive part of of the film is that fair for it to be made into an entertainment purpose or is it just is it just the way it is in India and are people offended by it are they not it's so difficult for us to say, isn't it? Like we said, we, we, we don't live in India, we're, we're not Indian. So we can't, we can't necessarily say if someone, if they find it offensive or not offensive or if they're okay with it or if they're not okay with it. Um, we do, I think what we can say is there is a, there is a fine line with any, with any sort of sort of cultural um, display in media and films and TV, you know, cultural display, languages, accents there's a very fine line it's incredibly important to to educate yourself on what is allowed what is not allowed what is offensive what is not offensive and um i think the only thing we could do um is just to educate ourselves on that and to just be incredibly respectful um but we'll go on and talk about the simpsons now so i sort of just introduce um what's been causing some controversy recently has been in the news so um appy was a recurring character in the simpsons um, he portrayed an Indian immigrant who owned a convenience store. He played what some may describe as a stereotypical Indian character. So, for example, he was a medical student, medical school student. He had a thick accent, um, an extremely um, sort of Indian name that even Indians can't produce, can't pronounce. Sorry. 
Um, so do you think that there is a typical Indian accent? That's the thing. And when planning this, I particularly put that in as a topic of discussion because again, it goes back to that friend. I do think in our minds, um, there is this typical accent. And I think the one that Apu did, I think is maybe one that we generally think of and is a lot presented in the media. I think if you ask someone to do an Indian accent, I think we can both think of the one that somebody would do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But my friend now, you know, she was, you know, she looked Indian. If, if there is an Indian look, you get what I mean? Like, um, but if you were to close your eyes and just listen to her speaking, she had a proper American accent. Like, honestly, if you weren't looking at her, you would have thought that she was American. You yeah. would not have thought that she was Indian at all. And I think that's just, you know, that just puts into perspective um, the accent that he was doing a very thick accent like I, I remember watching one of the YouTube videos that would dis- that was discussing him he's like he's got such a, a thick Indian accent and this was an Indian saying this that I find it difficult to understand him sometimes and although they did see like you know a funny aspect of it what they kind of said is, is the problem is that the person who did it was was a white American and um, he just made that accent up on the spot he'd never been to India he didn't know any Indians he didn't somebody just said do an Indian accent and he just came up with that there was no there was no education on it you get what I mean and mm-hmm. the other thing as well is that the thing with this character which I'm going to be honest like at the start when I heard about this I was so naive you know I I thought no as I said to you like at, like at the start of this is that and I said in this podcast as well is that every character in a tv program in a film pays a person in society again though that there is that line and unless you're educated on this you don't know where that line is and you know before I I researched this I wasn't quite sure whether it crossed the line or not because well I I am researched I didn't know much about it so it was it would have been very wrong for me to um kind of form an opinion on it if I hadn't seen all aspects of it but now I definitely I do see it like why this is offensive because while all of the other characters in the Simpsons has developed this one hadn't like Apu hadn't you know his I I, I don't know for sure but I think his accents say the same you know his his character just didn't develop and just generally and the the creators have said this themselves they were very naive and I think um the accent is one of the ways in which they did that and I think with a character like Apu there were so many ways in which he could have been used to kind of you know look further into the Indian culture and kind of dispel maybe some misconceptions about it in the way that people see them particularly because he was an immigrant in the US you know there's so many ways in which he could have been used maybe while still having that comedic effect but you know, again, without crossing that line. And again, that goes on to his his name, which is another thing um, that in one of the YouTube videos I watched was that it, it was so Indian that they couldn't even pronounce it. Like, it's on our screen here now. Can, can you even begin to say his surname? Yeah, I mean, I'm so sorry for my awful pronunciation, but I'm going to try. So it's Apu uh, Nahasapi Matilion. No. Naha sapi ma- mape tilon. There we go. That is, yeah. 
again I apologize for my pronunciation but yeah I mean even if they're even saying that um uh, even you know Indian people can't pronounce it then are they taking that stereotype too far yeah I think so right if even if Indian people are saying they can't pronounce it then I think that stereotype has been taken too far and you know like you mentioned about that fine line I think the line can only be decided by the people that it could offend if that makes sense so in this instance the line of is it entertainment is it stereotype all those things that line can only be determined by Indian people and it has come out you know recently that that this I think that they have overstepped that line um you know because we you know just some information like the character has been criticized by comedian um, Harry uh, Kond- Kondabolu for being a racist uh, depiction of Indian Americans, you know, so people are, um, yeah, are coming out and saying that it is, it's, 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 it's been a racist depiction and it's been a, a stereotype that's been taken too far. Yeah. I think what I didn't realize until looking into this is that many people said this was the only depiction of an Indian person on their TV screens for years um, and I don't think it's something that our generation can relate to. I think it's like a generation before us. So maybe that might impact our views of what we thought about this um, before looking into it, I guess, because it's it's not the first time for us kind of seeing an Indian person. I think if we were to watch The Simpsons, we would be able to depict those stereotypes straight away because a lot of us now, we know an Indian person. We're more aware of the culture of the society. So maybe we can't see it in the same way as like a generation before us who this is probably the only thing that they saw for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. which is obviously a good thing, isn't it? That we can possibly pick those out. I mean, I definitely could when I watched a few episodes of The Simpsons and that, that is a good thing in general. But for many people, it wasn't. And there was another comedian that I read about and he said, look, yeah there's some aspects of it that are funny but if I'm going to be honest like when I was younger I was bullied for you know the way he was shown on tv and that that I think that is like the biggest sign that a line has been crossed there someone's getting bullied because of a depiction of you know a character I don't know what the Simpsons would be classed as I don't know if it'd be a comedy but it's definitely got that comedic effect to it yeah, and, and what actually made me, it made me think, this whole talking about The Simpsons, made me think about another programme. I don't know if you ever watched it, but it's called Come Fly With Me. And um, it was David Walliams and oh, another actor, I can't remember his name. Um, oh, Matt Lucas, that was it. Matt Lucas and, and David Walliams. And um, it got taken off, um, got taken off air, got taken off, I think it was on Netflix or BBC iPlayer, I can't remember. And um, it was highly criticised for being um, basically if no one's if, if you guys haven't watched Come Come Fly With Me, um, basically David Williams and Matt Lucas uh, played lots of different uh, roles and characters in like an airport. So they played pilots, check in crew, cabin crew, workers in the airport. It was basically a, a comedy of life in, in, um, in, in an airport and um, it was taken off air. Because um, there were controversies, including um, like using like blackface um, and um, um, using, you know, doing accents of different um, countries from around the world. And um, it got taken off air. So it made me think about The Simpsons and obviously the controversy that's come about recently. Um, do you think that there's a possibility it might be taken off air or do you think that's too drastic in a way? And that the only thing that will happen is that people are being given an education that maybe the program they watched when they were growing up was slightly wrong and shouldn't have been it had its faults and there were stereotypes that were shown that were unfair and and too far and and disrespectful do you think that instead of taking it off air 
the education that people receive from this controversy is enough? Well, the way in which they've dealt with it has also gained its own controversy in some ways. So um, before announcing that um, he would no longer play the character, um, Apu had featured alongside other characters, but he didn't have a line. He never said anything. And some have said that silencing him as an attempt to cover up the controversy actually makes it worse. And instead, the character should be kind of like refreshed. So it's kind of like what I said before, it's that he could have been used to reflect America today, reflect the problems faced by Indian immigrants in America. Um, you know, but that was never done. And I do think that's a missed opportunity there. That sometimes I think when there's a controversy, there's controversy for a reason. And I don't think silencing it or you know, just getting rid of him is the answer to that. You know, if the problem was, you know, a lack of education, which led Apu to being presented in that way, then obviously the I think the easiest way to fix that, and the most obvious way to fix that is to, to educate, to do the exact opposite thing. And, you know, talking just about TV as a whole, a really interesting question that, um, that I think, you know, we've prepared and I'll ask you now is how difficult would it be for TV, especially things like soaps, where they try to depict real life situations to do so without touching on delicate topics like these? Do you think it's almost impossible to not offend certain groups and cultures sometimes? Yeah, again, just looking from this generally now, just think of like the TV programmes, um, you know, that that I watch. It's watching it in Hollyoaks, you know, there was there's like um county lines um storylines and and stuff like that you know for some people that's going to be something difficult to watch obviously it's very different to like this example about india but just talking about this in general now you know there's it's very it could be for very difficult to watch for some people some people might not like the way that it's been depicted say that this is wrong whatever this could have been done differently i think in in that's that type of media it's always going to be very difficult to present something perfectly. I think there's always going to be an aspect which could offend someone, which could hurt someone. Again, I think it it does just go down to that line, doesn't it, of how much have you crossed it? And I think if it offends one person, then, you know, unfortunately, that's that's just the probability of it, isn't it? But if it offends you know a massive amount of people and it causes the controversy that the Simpsons has um then I think it's a, a bit more of a bigger problem that's that's a sign that a line has been crossed isn't it and that you know yes there has to be that kind of acceptance of you know we can't please everyone but when you're not pleasing a large amount of people a large amount of people from the same you know the same community really isn't it then then there's the problem I think the I think the indicator we sort of have here in the UK is um, is Ofcom. So basically, if you watch a program and, and you're offended or disagree with something that's been shown, you can you can complain, um, and potentially that you know obviously like you said, if if something offends one person, however unfortunate that is, I doubt something would come about it from a I doubt anything would come about from a complaint of, from one person, but. Obviously, if, if there's a complaint from several hundreds or thousands of people, then I think obviously there the line has been has been crossed. And, and like, like we said this whole time, a perspective of what that fine line means is really important. And I think, you know, some only some people or groups or countries, whatever, can decide that line. So, for example, with The Simpsons here, you know, if, if Indian people believe that line has been crossed, then 
we all have to accept and um, yeah, believe that they that, that the line has been crossed. I think um, you know it, we can't we we can't say whether the line has been crossed or not because um, because you know we're, we're not Indian and we we don't fully maybe potentially understand the 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 hurt or the you know the the damage that could be caused from these stereotypes. So I think it's just all about respect, isn't it? Respecting people if they are if they do feel offended and obviously with the Simpsons people have said that 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 this is offensive and um and people are having these conversations and and I don't know what what's happened with the Simpsons whether they've made a made a statement or a comment um about it but um clearly these conversations are being are being had and and hopefully you know the next cartoon or tv program that comes about that's as successful as Simpsons bears all this in mind and doesn't make the same mistakes that that the Simpsons has and is more respectful of 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 cultures and and accents and things like that um so I think it's just, yeah, I think overall, I think it's just being really respectful, isn't it? Respectful and um, educating yourself to to an extent in which you know or you have a good idea of whether something's offensive or not. That's what I'd say. Yeah, you know, I think it, a main problem is that it leads to a lot of, you know, misconceptions, particularly in, in the case of The Simpsons, where it's the only thing that you see, it does lead to these misconceptions so that's a great way to move on to some of the um, maybe misconceptions that exist around India that have shown up through our survey so one of them is um, the size of India so one of the statements that um, we put in the survey and you said whether it was true or false was um, this so we said that the distance between northern India and southern India is similar to the distance between Canada and Mexico and everyone replied that this was false um at first when I looked at this I thought I don't actually know the exact distance between Canada and Mexico I'm going to be honest but you know considering to me in my head they're different countries it's got to be quite a bit I was like no it's not I know India's big but you know <laughs> it's when you put it into perspective of between Canada and Mexico it makes it seem even bigger again I think it's because it's two different countries so my first thought was that's false what about you would you say that's yeah. true or false I would have said false as well. I mean, it's hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, the distance from Canada to Mexico is, I mean, it's the whole of the, the US. I mean, that's the country yeah. in between Canada and Mexico. So I probably would have said false as well, but but it's yeah. actually true. Yeah, it's actually true, which is incredible. Yeah. So to put that into perspective, the UK is approximately uh, 243,610 square kilometres, while India is approximately oh gosh what is that is that three million three million yeah. hundred eighty-seven thousand two hundred sixty-three square kilometers which makes india 1249 percent larger than the uk so it's quite a big number there. crazy crazy like that's so much bigger that is surprisingly i knew obviously india was is incredibly you know larger yeah. than, than the uk but on that scale that that surprises me yeah, especially as calling to the thousands. Like, I don't even think that's something like in your head you can get around. Like, could yeah. you imagine like you know expanding the UK by that much? That much? I I could. I mean, it surprises me because I know I've been to India and I knew how big it was, but even seeing seeing the number of one thousand two hundred forty nine percent larger, that still surprises me. Um, puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, being you know the fifth largest country in the world, though. You know, so. I guess it makes sense doesn't it being the fifth largest country in the world maybe the thing is though like if you went up to an Indian and it'd be like 
tell me how many times India is bigger than the UK in percentage. I doubt they'd be able to tell you as well. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. If you went up to like, if you asked either me or you before we looked at this and kind of reversed that question and said how many times smaller is UK to India, we wouldn't know. It's just something that you learn through education. Again, it's just that's, that it just goes to show like how important education is to put in things into perspective. Like this isn't something that maybe you should know off the top of your head. Yeah, I mean, all these facts, uh, yeah, again, have really surprised me. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll read a bit more and, uh, again, some more facts and figures. So, like I mentioned, India is also the fifth largest country in the world. Um, and as we spoke about in the Brazil series, India is also a part of the BRICS countries, which together represent about 42% of the population, 23% of GDP, 30% of territory and 18% of the global trade. Economists believe these four nations will become dominant suppliers of manufactured goods, services and raw materials by 2050 due to the low labour and production costs. So I know we've talked about this being quite surprising, but does any of this surprise you? And um, would you expect these types of countries to be a part of this? I'm going to be honest, like from the first things that I think of, no. But it's kind of like when I kind of think about it a bit more deeply, then no not really but when kind of planning this I was thinking you know we've done Brazil which is part of the BRICS countries and then we're doing India which is also part of the BRICS countries and then we've also got China as part of it I think Russia is part of it um and those are countries which you know I know we will at one point do it on China as well we'll do a, a series on China you know those are countries that you know, we'll probably look at because we look at because, you know, there's some hostile views towards them, there's exist stereotypes around them. But it's those countries that are going to be some of the most influential by 2050. Like, how does that make you feel? Like, that, that I came to the realisation of that when typing this up. Yeah, I mean, it makes you think, doesn't it? By 2050, I mean, quite a long time away, 2050, I mean, it's what, like 29 years. However, it really gives you an indication of the, the growth of India, of Brazil, of Russia, I think you mentioned as well as another of the BRICS countries. It makes you realise the growth is crazy and it's only going to grow more, you know? These countries are going to become so much more, I guess, I don't know, important to just the way the world runs. And obviously, like, you meant, like I mentioned, all the goods and services and raw materials, like, we're all going to become so much more reliant on these BRICS countries. I feel like we already are. I think of the UK, how reliant we are on getting our goods from, from, from China and, you know, manufactured goods, raw materials from India, um, you know, countries that are in, in the BRIC, you know, in this BRICS group. So I think we're going to increase our reliance on these countries. And I think they're going to become incredibly sort of powerful with regards to things like goods, services, raw materials. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see that shift which countries become less powerful? What, what, you yeah. know, if India and China, they're all coming up, you know, in terms of these BRICS countries, what countries are going to do the opposite and are going to sort of fall off this sort of global dominance they might have? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think now what countries that are currently quite dominant um, and, and whether they're going to sort of fall off or maybe we just make room for um, countries like India and China to, to come up on, on the level of America and, um, you know other countries that are not part of the BRICS group that are you know um, interesting yeah surprises me all this but then does it I don't know I say it surprises me but does it I mean we know how influential China 
is now our days in, in the manufactured goods and services and raw materials. We, we know um, we know that. So it surprises me and it doesn't a bit of a cop out answer to say that, yeah. to say both. Um, but it, I can see both sides in terms of being surprised and not surprised. What about you? I mean, yeah, I think it's the same as you. I'm surprised and I'm not surprised at the same time. Yeah. Well, also, another thing that we asked in the survey was um, how many states there are in India. And everyone either said eight or 10, but in fact, there are 29. And I didn't know that. I've got to be honest, I didn't know there were states in India. <laughs> um, <laughs> would you have said 29? Uh, no. I mean, I. I probably would have said more more than eight or ten, but yeah. I would not have said twenty nine. No, I would not have said twenty nine at all. And again, that makes me have a greater realization of just how big India is. If it wasn't enough to be told that um, that India is one thousand two hundred forty nine percent larger than the UK, now knowing there are twenty nine states, I mean, surely now anyone listening must be able to sort of comprehend maybe more so how 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 big India is. Um, is a country um, you know not many foreigners realize that India is subdivided into 29 states you know some of these states like Assam, Kashmir and Goa are more easily recognized thanks to products like Assam tea, Kashmir silk or the popular tourist destinations in Goa but India has been divided into states and union territories in order to maintain effective administration maintain law and order and provide, cit- uh, provide citizens their necessities and also for overall development the State's Reorganisation Act of 1956 abolished the British system of provinces and, um, and princely states. In its place, new states were drawn based on ethnicity and language, and this makes up the 29 states that exist in India today. Super interesting. I didn't know any of that at all. What, what, what do you think about all of this? Yeah, I think when I was planning I thought, I was like, why? You know, not many of us know that it's divided in 29 states. But like it's it's all right to know you know that they are divided in twenty nine states. But again, it's that question of asking why, isn't it? Even on these simple things, and it's amazing how much you can learn when you ask why. And yeah, I found it so interesting to see why. I definitely didn't know it was twenty nine states. And again, all of this it it puts it into perspective how big India is, isn't it? And then that's moving on, isn't it, to diversity in a country that is so big you are going to have lots of differences don't you and those differences are what we call in this sense diversity yeah so you know much like brazil india is a very diverse country um however do you think that there is a difference in the type of diversity so for example there are many cultures that reside in brazil but india has many different languages and religions do you think there's a difference here yeah obviously i'm not saying this from like an educated perspective just kind of like from research yeah you know as they said like in Brazil you have those Italians Japanese Germans Africans who moved there through the slave trade but when kind of looking at diversity in Brazil it was very much based on the different religions there the many different languages there not so many not, not so much like people who moved there I mean that might be the case but it wasn't what like came up when looking into it no, I, I, I agree. I feel like when I think of India, I don't think as much of people who've moved there. You know, I don't think as, as much in terms of, um, yeah, the immigrants that, that reside there. Obviously in Brazil, like you mentioned, that was a big thing, wasn't it? The, the German people, you know, German people that had moved to Brazil, uh, Japanese people um, as well. So, yeah, again, maybe that's some, maybe I'm incorrect in saying that it's just my lack of education and um you know, I guess it all just thinks of, I'm just thinking of diversity as a whole. And um, 
you know, when you think of diversity, which type do you generally think of? You know, the type we see in Brazil or like the, the religious and linguistic diversity we see in India? Obviously, it's, they're very vague. To, I'm very, it's very vague of me to say religious and linguistic diversity, but just to what extent do you differentiate the types? If I'm going to be honest, like the first thing that comes to me, mind for me when I think of diversity is the one that we see in Brazil. I tend to think of like people who have emigrated there and like, you know, that type of diversity. I'm not so sure. I think that might be something that comes to most people's minds when they think of that. Like for me, I don't know, it's not linguistic and religious diversity that comes to mind. What about you? Yeah, I mean... It- it's so interesting isn't it like I'm, I'm I'm sort of trying to figure it out now in terms of just comparing the two countries um for me I see the religious religious and ling- linguistic diversity I, I see the religious diversity more so in India and potentially I see the linguistic diversity in both Brazil and India and I think because the only reason I say that now is my education I've received about Brazil in recent weeks from the podcast is I've understood about you know like I mentioned about the immigrants residing in in Brazil and obviously that linguistic diversity that that brings to to Brazil so I'd say linguistic diversity I associate to both India and Brazil but, but potentially more so that religious diversity to to India uh, if that makes sense um, yeah. and, and do you think that this diversity is something that people are aware of or are they aware that it exists but they're not educated on it yeah I think that last point is that for me having not been to India and just relying on other people it's like I was aware that lots of different languages were spoken in India but you know if you to ask me what ones I've got to be honest I wouldn't know you know but it, I, I feel like I knew India was a diverse country but I couldn't give you like information about it yeah yeah it's I mean I'll, I'll move on to sort of give a bit of context to the linguistic diversity so more than 19,500 languages or dialects are spoken in India as mother tongues, according to analysis of a census released in 2018. There are 121 languages which are spoken by 10,000 or more people in India. Does this surprise you? Yeah, I think the actual figure of 19,500 does surprise me because that's just so many languages, isn't it, in like one country? You know, I think yes, it's crazy not yeah. to be surprised by that. That's amazing. Um, and that, that you know, that's really a strength of a country. That's something to be proud of, isn't it? Like, not many 100%. countries can say that. Um, 100%. And I was also reading as well that India doesn't have, like, an official language at, like, a national level. I think they do in, like, I don't know what they call them, but maybe in, like, more local governments, they kind of there. But I know, I think it's stuff like... I don't know what level it is at, but I think like government stuff, it has to be in English and Hindi or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no language on a national level, which I think when you're dealing with a country that is so linguistically diverse, I do think that's the way to go. Obviously, I don't know the logistics, the legal stuff behind that. But in general, I think that is the way to go when you're dealing with a country that is just so linguistically diverse. Uh, I was going to ask, like, do you think there exists a stereotype surrounding languages in India? So do you think we just assume that Hindi is spoken or even Indian? Like, I'm sure, I don't know if in the survey people said that they speak Indian. Obviously, we when we did the Brazil uh, survey, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think did someone say they speak Brazilian, which obviously yeah. is incorrect, they speak Portuguese. So do you think, again, this stereotype exists with when people are sort of thinking about the linguistic diversity in India? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think most people assume it's Hindi. And in fact, the same person who said Brazilian was spoken in Brazil last time said in this, in this survey that Indian was spoken in India. So, you know, a bit of a coincidence there, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there definitely is a stereotype and I got a bit of a funny story about languages, Indian languages. So um, a few months ago, my grandparents were watching The Lion King and um, you know one of those like boxes, I shouldn't be saying this, I'm not advocating it, but you know those boxes might be a bit illegal for, for the TV, you can watch yeah. films and TV programmes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were watching it on that and... Um, I walk in and it'd been on for about 15 minutes and sometimes when you go to watch something on there they're in loads of different languages and after like two minutes I was like what is that noise and I look at the tv I look at my grandparents I was like they're not watching this in English it was and again this shows my naivety because I don't know what what languages are spoken in India besides English and Hindi it was in some in like Indian language Indian language I just I recognize it as being one of them and I look at them and I was like you do know you're watching it in like this this language like from India or something like that I said and they were like no we thought that it was just the noise that the animals were making oh, oh my <laughs> goodness I think and they'd watched it for about 15-20 minutes just thinking that this was the noise that the animals were making and I think that just puts into perspective, doesn't it? Like the just how educated people are on kind of just like languages in India. If you just think <laughs> they sound so bad, they just thought it was a noise that animals make in the Lion King. <laughs> I don't think they'll they'll be alone. I mean, I mean, from my experience of being in India, um, a lot of people mix um, like Hindi and English. So I watch a lot of I watch a lot of sport, and if there's ever someone who is Indian who's um, who's doing an interview or something and I, I, I mentioned cricket I'm, I'm a big fan of cricket and um a lot of the um the yeah the players when they do interviews they speak in both Hindi and English they sort of mix and match if that makes sense yeah. um so I don't know if that's something that's common or whether it's just they do it for sort of interviews and stuff but that's something that I've picked up from the language as well um and yeah like even like when I was in India I watched a Bollywood film in the cinema and obviously it was in Hindi so I didn't I didn't understand like the vast majority um but they did have a few English words here and there like I said how they sort of mixed between the two um so yeah. I don't I don't know if that's common or whether I've ju it's just by coincidence that I've come across a few situations where that's happened um but I do think um people do speak I do I think people do understand English in India I think a lot of people do understand and speak some English um, in my experience anyway um, and I don't know potentially why that is do you think it's the TV they watch or do you think they are educated to speak some English because they believe it's a good language to speak alongside Hindi what do you think thinking about again this is just like kind of an educated guess maybe it goes back to the history of like the British being there yeah yeah possibly that's, a, mean, that's that an interesting point yeah yeah, that obviously, I think that'll be something we'd look at, you know, when we talk about um, languages in India more in depth. That'd definitely be something interesting to look at again, like like we did with Brazil, going back to the historical influence to to understand it is, you know, that that's so vital, isn't it? Yeah. 
Oh, it's so vital. Um, so we'll, we'll go on, we'll talk a bit about religious diversity now. So again, within this whole topic of, of diversity, um, but in the survey, when we asked what the main religion, what main religions exist in India, most people replied with Hinduism and a few said Christianity. So when you think of India, what religions come to mind? Um, I would say Hinduism, definitely. Um, I don't know why. Again, I think this is just being uneducated. I know from a lot of my friends who thought about my Indian friend, they thought that she was Muslim. Again, I think that's just being uneducated, thinking that India is a Muslim country. Um, but also for me, and I know for my other friend who answered this survey, say Christianity. And the only reason that we both think Christianity is because my Indian friend was Christian. And if she wasn't Christian, I would not say Christianity. Again, that just goes to show how like influential actually knowing someone from that country is. Because like, like this is one of the things that I honestly would never have thought about India if I didn't know her. I just wouldn't have thought about Christianity at all. I guess it just shows how influenced we are by the people around us, isn't it? People yeah. around us from different different countries, different cultures, um, languages. Um, but it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Like I don't think saying that Christianity is a is a main religion is offensive, not at all. I think it just maybe just again lack of education. But of course, like there are there are of course Christians in in India, and, and I'll read out um, some more sort of facts about about religion in India. So at the census uh, in two thousand and one. Out of um, 1,028 uh, million population, so is that 1.028 billion? I think it might be a um, little over 827 million. So 80.5% um, said that they were followers of the Hindu religion. 138 million, which is 13.4%, said that they were Muslim. Um, and then um, uh, 24 million, sorry, 2.3% said they were Christian. 19 million, 1.9% said they were Sikh, and uh, 8 million, which is 0.8%, said um, that they followed uh, Buddhism. And then there's also 4 million, 0.4%, who are uh, Jain. Now, correct, like, I do apologise for my naivety, but I'm not too sure what Jain is. No, I've heard of it, but I don't really know a lot about it, to be honest. Interesting. That's something I'm, I'm going to research after the episode, yeah. and I'll, um, I'll let you guys know, listeners, next week. Uh, I'll um, I'll uh, yeah, explain some sort of facts about it. Um, I'm not too sure. Interesting. I mean, four million people in India follow um follow the religion. So, um, yeah, I'll do do my research. Um, but but how important do you think religion is to Indian culture? And do you think it do you think it's key to understanding it? So obviously, as people that don't live in India and aren't Indian, do you think understanding the religion and all the different religions within India help us understand the country more? I mean, looking at it from like our perspective, being outside of India, when researching it, a lot of ways to understand the country is through understanding the religion, particularly Hinduism. A lot of the ways of the workings of the countries, why things are the way they are in India, it does tend to go back to religion. And it's it's the reason why the next episode that we're doing is going to be on religion, because it's just, I feel like it's just the basis of understanding the country. It would be so difficult to go on to the other topics that we want to talk about without actually talking about religion first, which I think just says it all, really, doesn't it? And I mean, another thing that I picked up on when you were reading out, you know, the statistics of religions in India is like, for example, you said 0.4% of the Indian population were Jain. That sounds like hardly anything, doesn't it? Like, you know, but then when you take that percentage and put it into an actual, like, 
number of population, four million. That's quite a lot, isn't it? A lot of people, yeah. You know, and again, that just puts into perspective of like how many people live in. I was going to say Brazil there. <laughs> how many people live in in India? So although it sounds like you know we have all of these religions and like yeah, Christians one point nine percent. That's nineteen million people. You know, like you know, it's not like these religions are small religions in Indian society. Maybe. I guess maybe small in terms of like population because there's so many people there, but it's not like there's a few hundred, a few thousand, you know, that there's it got quite a following, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, if you if you put them into perspective, if you said four million people in, in the UK follow a specific religion, yeah. you think that's a lot of people. But obviously yeah. because Indi- India's population is so much greater than, um, and you know, bigger than the population in the UK, it changes your perspective a little bit. Um, but four million people who are Jain is, is, is significant, of course. And, um, yeah it's i mean all the religions in 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 india you know there are more you know obviously jain which is four million all the other ones are, are, are a lot larger so you've got you know eight million yeah. buddhists 19 million who are people who are Sikh. so substantial numbers here isn't it um and very yeah. interesting to sort of put it into perspective yeah so that's what we're going to leave it for today just having it we looked at generally um some stereotypes of india just like we did with brazil so we're going to be kind of following um a similar pattern as we did with brazil so we're going to be looking um further into um some of the things that we've spoken about today so one thing that i've kind of mentioned we're going to be looking at next is more into the linguistic and religious diversity of india because as i said it's so vital especially the religious one to get an idea of the country and how it works that's what we're going to be doing for the next one yeah thank you so much to everyone for listening i hope you've enjoyed um our first episode on india today i'm sure i can speak on behalf of both of us we've really enjoyed learning more about india and uh yeah just sort of opening up these topics of discussion that we'll talk about further in um yeah in upcoming episodes but thank you so much for listening don't forget to leave us uh, a rating and review on uh on apple podcasts it really helps a lot Um, sort of getting our podcast out there to as many people as possible so just a massive thank you for all the support and uh, see you next week